Amen. Hey, we're once again in our study on world religions, cults, and the occult. We are on number eight, and that is the topic of Mormonism. That's right, Mormonism, for those of you who spell wrong like me. Uh, but anyway, uh, and as you turn there, believe it or not, tonight's the night. I am actually going to try, I'll at least say that, try to make it through a whole page in our workbook. So be prepared for that. Uh, but hey, by way of recap, as you turn to that exciting second page in our study on Mormonism, uh, we've seen that Mormonism, what's the problem with it? Well, number one, the whole thing's based on a feeling, right? I got to burn you in the bosom. Well, that's not how you discern what truth is. That's uh, the serious. And then which count is it? It's, nothing's consistent, uh, uh, you know, and so how, how can you trust that? Uh, even their own writings don't dis or agree. They disagree with one another. There's no archaeological evidence. The word Mormon itself does not mean more good. Okay? <laughs> it was ripped off, meaning a boogie monster, so to speak. Uh, and they're extremely racist. And we saw that Joseph Smith was not a martyr. I'm sorry, you're not a martyr when you whip out a gun and kill people. Okay? <laughs> Granted, they're coming after to kill you, but you're not a martyr when you do the same thing. Okay? You're not a martyr. You're also involved in Freemasonry, witchcraft. And last time, if you were here, we saw that, hey, uh, Joseph Smith, remember he bragged? He did what not even Jesus Christ could do and kept his church together. How's that noise going again, Bobby? No, you didn't, man. There's so many splinter groups. Are you kidding me? And they keep splintering off today. Okay, uh, all kinds of... And we left off with the crazy practice, with all due respect, they baptized the dead, uh, giving people the false assumption that uh, you're going to have a second chance after you die. No, you're not. That's the importance of this life right now. You better get it right in this life because this is your only chance. Hebrews 9.27, man is appointed to die one time. And after that, another chance? No, you're going to face judgment. Okay, that's what the Bible says. But we are going to now try uh, to get this. Where is all this leading to? So here's kind of the background. Here's some of the nuances of this. And, and here's how Joseph Smith took a piece of that and a piece of this and over here and grabbed this and a chunk of this and whatever. So what do you get when you get all that stuff? You throw it all together and we're going to try to do what's called at the top of the page there, Mormonism in a nutshell. Okay. And uh, we're going to try to see if we can see what you do. Well, here's what you get, basically, with all due respect. Here's what you get when you take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a buffet, right? You start out and you got, well, that looks like a piece of steak to me. And, hey, that looks like potato salad there. And, hey, that looks like corn over here. And, hey, that looks like this over here. But by the time you get to the end of the thing, it's just a blob of bleh. It's like, who barfed on your plate, right? And that's why, hey, you take a little piece. And that's why, I'm basically, what we're going to see is, wow, this is a crazy story that he whooped up and is so illogical because it's not true it's not true at all but let's take a look at their top of the page mormonism what's it teach here's the basic thing if you will in a nutshell teaches that god used to be a man what then how could it be god god by definition is what's called a supreme being okay man is a created being god is a supreme being so right there at the whole outset we haven't made it through one sentence yet what and it gets worse as you go. God used to be a man, and uh, supposedly he was on another world, is your first blank there. World uh, is your first blank there. Hey, if anybody, by the way, needs a workbook, we got some in the back right there on that chair. Uh, we got some more. Sandy made some more for you if you want to get some. But on another world that he became a God. Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you become a God? God, by definition of being supreme, what makes him supreme? One of the things, he's not just everywhere present, all-knowing, all-powerful, but he's also what's called eternal, and he is self-existent, okay? He is not dependent upon anybody for his existence, okay? So, therefore, he always is, always was. So, how could God become God? It's illogical, okay? But that man, he became a God, and here, how did he do it? 
First of all, it's illogical. But again, here's your works. By following the laws and ordinances of his God. His God? Wait a second. Well, God, by definition, is supreme. And what makes him supreme is there's nobody more supreme than him. So how can you have more than one God? If you got more than one God, then who's supreme? Because by... What? It's all starting to fall apart. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, he supposedly became a God by following the laws and ordinances of his God on his home world. Now, we got to tear this thing apart real quick because this is a logical absurdity. And this is the core belief of Mormonism. Okay. This is their big giant reward. If you can make it to that top kingdom, we'll talk about tonight. Okay. And, and it's no different than people do today, right? People who balk, you know, uh, Peter says, you know, in the last days, scoffers will come. Ha ha ha. You know, where's this coming? You always said, blah, blah, blah. Nothing ever changes. You know, evolution's always been the same millions of years ago and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And what do they say? Well, they can't deny now all the evidence that's coming out, even in the scientific community for the argument of intelligent design, but they still don't want to look at God. Remember, they will deliberately forget Right? Oh, I'm not going to look at the evidence of that. And they, they don't want to admit that that came from God. We all came from God. Romans chapter 1. So you know what they say? Aliens. Aliens seeded the planet. That's where we came from. That explains why we see intelligent design. It has nothing to do with God. It's an alien. Well, then all you got to do is ask them this question. Bingo. Where'd that alien come from? And you know what they'll say? Well, they came from a higher evolved space that seeded them. Okay. Well, who made them? Well, they came, and it just goes on forever. It's the same thing with Mormons, and that you can become a god who came from this god and had his planet on this planet. Well, who made that god? Well, he came from this god on this planet. And it's, it's this exact same thing that people do today with the alien issue. It doesn't, listen, it does never explain the issue of origin, never answers it. All it does is extend it forever and ever and ever. It's, it's the same thing like evolution, right? They don't have any evidence, no proof whatsoever, so their panacea is this. Well, we don't see it today. We have no evidence, but millions of years ago, billions of years ago, and they just keep going back. You didn't answer the question, right? But let's continue on with that. Which came first? That's all you got to do with the Mormon thing. You become a god, and first of all, you can't have more than one god because there is only one god by definition. I haven't even quoted a verse yet. That's just pure logic. But then who made that god and that god? You know, it's, it's the same thing, okay? Also... Again, this is basically what's called the argument, the cosmological argument, or the argument of beginnings, right? And this is the very first verse in the very first page, the very first chapter of the Bible. In the beginning, God what? God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? Basically, break that in the beginning, time, God created from nothing, the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, time, space, matter, okay? So the very first verse, very first chapter, very first page of the Bible tells us, okay, about the existence of the one true God. God is what is called in the realm of eternity. He is self-existent. There was a beginning of time. There will be an end of time. You and I live in the realm of time. Okay? But God is above and beyond that. And that's why he could see the beginning of, the beginning of time and the end of time all at the same time. That's what makes him supreme. Okay? And because people say, well, then who made God? Well, you're asking a time-based question on a supreme being who, by definition, is above and beyond all that. And who, by definition, what makes him supreme is he's not dependent upon anybody for his existence. That's why he's supreme. Right? But this is what Mormonism says, that this, you can become a god. Well, wait a second. Stop right there. You can't become a god. Because, again, God has no beginning. That's why when he says, Moses, hey, who, 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 do you say, who do I say that you are? What's he say? I am. He just is. God is. He's not, you know. And, and, and so 
he, didn't, he doesn't have a beginning. Beginning is a time-based question, right? He's above and beyond all that. That's why he's supreme. So wait a second. So how could you become supreme? How could you become God, who by definition has no beginning, when every person on the planet celebrates something, even Mormons, called a birthday? What do you do when you celebrate a birthday? You're celebrating the time you began, right? I began 23 years ago. <laughs> no, a little bit longer than that. Okay, right? But that's what you're doing. <laughs> we'll talk about lying later. No, but uh, 20, right, what, uh, we celebrate. And so basically when Mormons, whether they realize or not, when they celebrate their birthday, they should be going, hey, praise God, I passed the cake. This is great. Woohoo! And oh, by the way, it can't become God. Because you're celebrating your beginning. God, by definition, has no beginning, right? It, it, it's illogical, okay, for people to say that you can become a God because you had a beginning. That disqualifies you right there. Also, what disqualifies you, again, is you can never have a plurality of, quote, gods because then, therefore, nobody's supreme. And if their story that they suppose that God made this other God then this second one could not be God because he is dependent upon this God for his existence. And yet that's your whole trail of evidence. This God made this God, who's this God, and you can become a God. Illogical to the core is their whole belief system. Okay, with that. Now, the question you have is like, uh, well, what does the Bible say, right? Because the Mormons have basically, and we'll get into this Lord willing next week, they have basically four sources of truth. Right? Remember, that's what makes it so challenging to witness to people. They say they follow the Bible, but they really don't. Even remember the Catholics, right? They have a Bible, but their Bible's not our Bible. Same thing, number one problem. Number two, they follow the popes. They follow the church councils. They follow the early church fathers and the rulings. It's like, pick, you know, so if you point something on the Bible, they just dance around over here. Well, the Mormons do the same thing. They say that they follow the Bible, but they also, the bigger issue is the Book of Mormon itself, what's also called the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. Okay, is there uh, four uh, documents that they would say are inspired? But again, so when you quote the Bible, then they'll bounce around back to the Book of Mormon, uh, superseding, etc. But here's what the Bible says about God, right? Okay, uh, Deuteronomy 4.35, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God, and besides him there is no other. Deuteronomy 4.39, acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven, and, uh, uh, and above and on earth below, there is no other. 1 Kings 8.60, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Isaiah 44.8, did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You're my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Isaiah 45.5, I am the Lord. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. So the one book that you say is one of your inspired sources, I don't know how much clearer than you can get in that. There's only one God. So your whole version of eternity of some God populating another God who created another God, and then you could become a God, is completely contradictory to one of the four sources you say is true. You can't have it both ways. In fact, when you break it down, the Mormon so-called God, their version of God, is not even close to the Christian God. You can't even call it Christian. Okay, Here's the first of two videos hopefully we'll get to tonight. Let's take a look. Who is the God of the Mormons? Is he the same God as in the Bible? Let's compare. The God that Joseph Smith and his successors taught is a man, of the same race as we are, who, although he did sin, earned his Godhood while living on a planet just like we do. The Christian God is not a man or even like one, has existed eternally unchanged, and has thus never sinned. 
The Mormon god used to worship, and is still subservient to, the god of the planet he came from. The god of that planet also came from another planet under a different god, who came from another planet under a different god, so on and so forth into eternity. And by practicing Mormonism to its fullest, men on earth can carry on this process, becoming the same kind of god. The Christian god is totally sovereign in his power, subservient to no one, and certainly no link in an eternal god-making chain. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no god. And before me no god was formed, nor shall there be any after me. It couldn't be any more clear. Mormons need a caveat here that God is only talking about this particular universe, but that's just not in the text. As a man, the Mormon God has a flesh and bones body, is therefore physically limited to one place at a time, can only rearrange matter, not create it, and can only make intelligent beings by physical procreation with the Heavenly Mother. The Christian God created everything, physical and spiritual, from nothing, and therefore is bound by no limitations, including a body. To sum it all up, the Christian God is the all-powerful, self-existent, incomparable supreme being. The Mormon God is merely a superman, a drop in an eternal bucket of gods, more like the demigods of ancient mythology than the God of the Bible. These are not merely different beliefs about the same God, since they are irreconcilable at the most fundamental level, and simply cannot exist in the same being. If one is true, the other must necessarily be false, just another so-called God, an idol. Clearly, Mormons and Christians do not worship the same deity, and therefore cannot share the religious identity of Christian in any meaningful way, since the true Christ and true gospel can only come from the true God. Here's one more important difference. The Mormon God allows those who worship false gods to still go to heaven, even giving them a second chance after death to become gods themselves. The Christian God condemns the prophets, priests, and worshippers of false gods to eternal torment and does not offer a second chance after death. But anyone who turns to him by believing and trusting in the real Jesus will be forgiven of all their sins and will be saved from eternal torment to eternal life with him. Not even close. I mean, this is at the core of the core issue of just even who God is and their concept of you can be coming to God. And again, this is what gets you when you come knocking at the door, right? Uh, it's the old, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. Oh, we believe in God. They'll even say God the Father or Heavenly Father. We'll get to that in a second. Not the same thing. Not even close. Okay, not even close in the ballpark. Okay, it's completely uh, way out there. So the beginning, you're thinking like, man, that's just like a little, like, a, like you said, a, a demigod, like a mythology, right? Like Zeus and all those guys and the superpower, right? That's really what it is. And so you, I, my question is like, where did he get this from, right? Because remember, what's the pattern of his behavior? He's, he's grabbing it from here, he's grabbing it from there, he's making it up here, he's taking a chunk here. Who knows, maybe he did grab that idea that you can become a god, right? Uh, Superman, right? From mythology, I don't know. Maybe it's from his own arrogance. I don't know. But let me, let me quote to you what they actually believe, and this is from the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 132, I think, verse 20, okay? And it says, after you become a good Mormon, okay, and you got to do their good things, you have the potential of becoming a god. Then they shall be gods because they have no end. Therefore, shall they be from everlasting to everlasting because they continue. Then they shall be above all because all things are subject unto them. They, they shall be gods. Okay, that's there. So that's really what they believe Okay, uh, with that. And in fact, they have a popular phrase, and it came from this guy, uh, Lorenzo Snow. This is back in 1840, okay, back in Nauvoo, Illinois, where you know, basically the whole thing started there. And, uh, and guess, what, guess what he had? He had a vision. 
a vision, and surely this had to be from God. Again, how many times have I told you, when somebody says, I got a vision, or God told me to tell you, what do you do? Run. Remember what the acronym is? LDS, lead, don't stop. Okay, just get out of there. Okay, uh, it's what's going on there. But he had this vision, and uh, he, he supposedly was told that this is it. This is, you can become a God. And he encapsulated it, and this is what you'll probably hear a lot today. I just quoted from the Doctrine and Covenants, but this is the phrase that came from him. As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be or become. Okay, so that's really where it comes from. But it's the same thing, Joseph Smith, others, that's what they taught as well. So that's really what they believe. So where's he getting this from? I don't know, mythology, his own arrogance. Certainly Hinduism. Remember our Hinduism study? What do they believe? Nothing new that's been around. Maybe he had to run in with those guys, right? Hinduism believes that you can become gods and goddesses. Remember our study with that? And they have, what, 330 million different gods and goddesses? Take a pick. That's kind of like Mormonism, right? Uh, uh, so-called spirit guides back in the New Age. New Age, remember the Shirley MacLaine stuff when I showed you video clips back in her New Age study that she's on the beach and that's what they believe, that I am God. And it's, uh, wow, blatantly saying that. So-called spirit guides. Spirit guides, been that. Wish I wouldn't have bought the T-shirt back in the New Age days. You know, they had these beans to communicate with you, the... Uh, you know, to, with this great truth, and uh, those are familiar spirits, okay, and, and I'll quote one of them that supposedly is sharing this with mankind. We are here in your moment of realization, in the moment you come to meet with your divinity, in the moment when you finally accept uh, that which you truly are, that's your God, okay? Well, what's a familiar spirit? Well, a familiar spirit's a demon, right? Was he involved in any kind of demonic stuff, and does he have supposed visitations from spirits? So, so I don't know, maybe he got it from that, as well. Uh, UFO Space Brothers, I don't know, they say the same thing, believe it or not. You come all the way across the universe just to tell us that what? That uh, we feel very honored this day to sit before the humans who have chosen to be among the first to step into their divinity, to walk as complete divine beings clothed in human flesh. So even those demonic critters out there claiming to be Space Brothers uh, are saying that same lie. Uh, Mary, remember the apparitions from Mary, Catholicism? Which is a what? A familiar spirit, duping people, leading them away from Jesus, saying she's the co-redemptrix. You have to go to her to be saved, and be saved not only for, uh, to get to heaven, but from destruction, etc., blah, blah, blah. And you got to worship her and all that stuff. Well, guess what? That same apparition is also saying, listen, says this, <clears throat> uh, we are not striving for perfection as we are already perfect. We are striving, what we're striving for is to remember our perfection. We are not divided into parts since God is us, therefore we are God. Well, that's pretty wild. So maybe he had an apparition up here like the Virgin Mary, which is not Virgin Mary. It's a demonic apparition. Uh, oh, oh, ben, oh, guess who also believes in the gods and goddesses concept? Witchcraft. Wiccans. And I quote, we, they believe that we have a God within. The existence of the supreme divine power is known as the one or the all. The all is not separate from the universe, but part of it. And from the all came the God and goddess and they are manifested in various forms in the universe. Divinity is within. Was he involved in witchcraft and things of that nature? Maybe he got it from there. Maybe he got it from all this stuff. I don't know. But again, what's he doing? He's hodgepodge and whatever. So this is not only a false teaching. I wonder where he got it from. But I do know where ultimately he did get it from. That I can say confidently. And that's from Genesis chapter 3. Because you know where all this you can become a God really comes from? It comes from the lie of Satan in the garden. Uh, and he said to Eve, Genesis 3, 5, For God knows that when you will eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. So it came from the devil is where it came from. This did not come from God. Okay. Now what's wild about this is people don't even realize this, is believe it or not, Mormonism with this false belief that you can become a God 
is actually, in my opinion, helping the planet to receive the Antichrist. Now, why would I say that? Because this guy, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is going to do something wild. In the midway point of the seven-year tribulation, he's going to go up into the rebuilt Jewish temple, and I quote, he will ex- oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. What? Who in their right mind? Well, first of all, who in their right mind would, because the Antichrist being a political figure on the world scene, who in the right mind would literally worship a political figure of a guy? Yeah, it reminds me with the last administration. Obama, we've been through all that. So we're even seeing people do that. But come on, I can see people getting a little crazy on that stuff. And we see that with Stalin and Mao Zedong and those people who they worship and they, and even Obama. But but come on, who in their right mind is going to, because most of the world, what's called there in Revelation, it's it's a code word, they're inhabitants of the earth. Those are the unredeemed. Those are the people who follow the Antichrist. That's the bulk of the planet, right? They're not going to worship some guys a God whose belief system will actually aid people in falling for that lie. Mormonism and New Age and Hinduism and this the image supposedly for Mary and UFO Space Brothers. You stir it all together and all this is happening all at the same time. What's it doing? It's leading towards that lie. Isn't that wild? They're actually helping people to be prepared to receive the lie of worshiping the Antichrist who says, I am God. Mormons are not going to have a problem with it. It's built into their belief system. But I don't know about you, but it's so comforting to know that the church is not being pacted with this lie that man can become a god. Yes, that's called sarcasm for those of you wondering. Let me just quote a couple of these uh, uh, hairless ticks or heretics. Uh, one of them is Benny Hinn, and uh, he says, uh, quote, uh, when you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I'm a little Messiah walking on earth. That is a shocking revelation. May I say it like this? You are a little god on earth running around. Christians are little messiahs and little gods on earth. Okay, I am a God-man, a sample of Jesus. I'm a super being. No, you're a false teacher. But this is supposedly in the church. So these people in the church, now going to a church service doesn't save you any more than sitting in a barn makes you a cow. Isn't that much better than that other one? Yeah, it's much more palatable for me. Uh, excuse me, so doesn't mean, but, but this is what's being coming out from the pulpit. So even people who go to church services are being prepared. Let me give you another Paul Crouch. He said, somebody said, I don't know who said it, but they, they claim that you faith teachers declare that we are gods. You're a god, I'm a god. Well, are you a god? Quote, I am a little god. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. I am a little god. A little god. Critics, be gone. No, you be gone. You're a false teacher. And he since died, so he knows better now. With all due respect. Kenneth Copeland. I've quoted this before. He says, Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. You're not a spiritual schizophrenic, half God, half Satan. You're all God. You don't have a God in you. You are one. I say this with all respect so it doesn't upset you too bad, but I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where it's he, Jesus, says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. That's a divinity statement. What? In the church. Kenneth Hagin says, the believer is called Christ. That's who we are. We're called Christ. You're as much an incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. No, we're not. One more. More Cyrilla says, you're not looking at more Cyrilla. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. No, I'm looking at a heretic. Excuse me? It's crazy. So the whole world right now, Mormonism, yes, but a whole bunch of others, and it's even creeping into the church in the last days. Can you believe that? That people are being prepared to receive the Antichrist lie. Who would have thought 2,000 years ago 
John's writing this. Yeah, who's going to worship a guy as a god? You got to. It's all over the planet now, even in the church. But let's get back to our workbook, okay? So that's what we get there. Suppose this God thing and goddess and more gods, and that God came from this God, and who's God, and what God, and a bunch of gods, and here we go, God, and that God, and everywhere, God. All right, but it gets even worse. Let me go. Uh, and that, oh, that was, that was line number one. <laughs> number two. Now, he, he, uh, apparently, he's, he's lonely or something. Well, 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 that denies God's character. He doesn't need anything, right? But, 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 he, but, but he brought in a wife to this world, a, a woman that he married on another world. Well, where'd she come from? Oh, and she is essentially a goddess. Wait a second. Well, how could she be a goddess if, again, God by definition is supreme, which means there's nobody bigger or better, but then you make another one, so then who's really supreme? But then, wait a second. They can't really become a god because God has no beginning, but you just said you made the wife, which means she had a beginning. That birthday thing messes it up every time, doesn't it? I'll tell you what. What? We're only in two verses, okay? Uh, uh, and, and anyway, and oh, by the way, he goes on and says, in, in this present God state, he rules our world. Now, what he's talking about is their version of what they call Heavenly Father, right? Which is not at all what we see in the scripture. But in his present God state, he rules our world, and he has a body of flesh and bones. Whoa, 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 whoa. John chapter 4, again, we're speaking supposedly of God the Father, Heavenly Father, okay, in their context. But what's the Bible say about the Heavenly Father? Jesus said, what? John 4, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God, God the Father is spirit. He does, God the Father does not have a body, okay? Major, major difference. And what they'll do, and I've had, you know, when I've witnessed to them before, we've, we've gone around on stuff like that. And, and, and invariably, they'll, they'll quote these passages. They'll say like, well, didn't you read in the Old Testament that when, when the Ten Commandments were being given, that they, they were written with the finger of God? So see, he's got a body like a man. It's what's called an anthropomorphism in the Scripture. God's just using our language to try to explain who he is. Right? Okay, did you know the Bible also says that uh, God, uh, in Psalm 91, I believe, uh, just one example, that he longs to gather us as, as a mother uh, gathers her chicks in his wings? God's a giant space chicken. <laughs> no, it's just what he's using language to explain that he will take care of us. It's not to be taken literally, neither is the finger. He's got a giant finger. Okay. You're just searching for stuff. It's called anthropomorphism. People use all the time the language. I, I remember I thought about this one. You know, um, ladies say this, right? If, if you didn't, if you took this literally, it could freak you out, right? When Rebecca, when she was a little, little crumb snatcher, just a little thing, I overheard my wife say this. Read, it scared me. She didn't just wrap her in a blanket. I heard her say the words. She wrapped her up like a burrito. <laughs> I, she was going to eat her. I had to intervene. <laughs> no, that's just the phrase they use. Wrap up like a little burrito, right? The kids, you know, the way they do it, so their arms can't move. I think it's a torture technique, but moms really like that thing. And uh, we'll talk about Mother's Day this Sunday, but anyway. But uh, <laughs> you say, give me a break, right? That's all you got? But that's what they do. They go, they rip things out of complete context, and it's illogical. And supposedly, he's got this body flesh. But, but let's continue on. Since God and his wife are both exalted persons, but again, how could that be? Because supreme, only one winner. Uh, but each possessed physical bodies. So, so now she's got one too. But again, okay, whatever. Uh, now, in their exalted states as deities, they produce spirit children that grow and mature in this spiritual realm now stop here stop 
pause on this one for a second. So this is supposed to be a god and a goddess. So a god and a goddess supposedly has a child, which isn't even biblical anyway, but playing with that, then if, their child, if they have a child, then what does that make that child? Then by their own logic and their thread, it's also a god. Keep that in mind. The first spirit born was who? Jesus. Afterwards, who, what? Lucifer was born along with the rest of us. Well, wait a second. So if this came from this heavenly father and his supposed wife and God and goddess, then, then not just with Jesus. You're saying that Lucifer is not a fallen angel. He's a god. Oh, he, that must be music to his ears. Right? No, he's not God. He'll never be God. In fact, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, what, was causing the fall, what caused the fall of Satan? He wanted to be God. I will ascend to the Mount of the Assembly. I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. Right? right? And so he was cast out. And a third of the angels with him. Right? And so, except, but, but, so, so you got two things going on here that's really crazy. Number one, you just said, the scripture says, Satan is a fallen angel. Angel is not the same thing as God. Angels are created being. God is uncreated. He's self-existent. Right? Angels are powerful, but nothing, not even the hair of a, not even the hair on a flea compared to God. Okay? But an angel is a created being. So, so you said that Satan, Lucifer, is a god. Number two, who was born first from these supposed parents? Jesus. And then who came next? Lucifer. So that would make them what? You're saying that Jesus and Satan are brothers? What? This is crazy, okay? Jesus is the son of God, okay? But Satan is not related to Jesus. Satan is a created being, a fallen being, okay? Uh, let's continue on. Man, this just gets weird. But, but, but here, let me stop for a second. But you know why this is so weird? Because this is what you get with a lie. This is what you get when you take a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and throw it all together. And this is why it's so easy to pick this apart, not just biblically, even logically. Makes no sense. Right? But this is it in a nutshell. But let's continue on. So Mormonism teaches that we all pre-existed in the spirit realm, having been produced from the union of God and his goddess wife. Therefore, we all existed in spirit form before coming down and entering the bodies of human babies that are being born on earth. Now, during this, listen, compression into the infant state, because we're supposed to be these adult God forms. Oh, by the way, I looked for the source. I couldn't find it. So uh, loosely, I share this. I, I, I there, there was a, a lady that I watched, a Mormon lady, and I, whether they'll admit to this in writing, she said back in the day that that's also why the Mormons say that uh, when a baby is born, it cries because it was this adult God form and they had to compress it into a baby. <laughs> wow. But anyway, so you're supposed to be this God's God, and you get in this compressed infant state and the memories of their preexistence is veiled. There's no justification for this biblically or what okay well uh, first of all god did form us in our mother's womb but it was god it was not the result of a god and a goddess of some union it was from god okay and we didn't pre-exist before we had a beginning okay but let's continue on god the father who is called elohim what genesis 126 turn there what are you talking about okay genesis 126 if you find the first page of the Bible, what do you do? Uh, well, that's if you got the large print, Bobby. Uh, hopefully, it's just stay right there. <laughs> Genesis 126, let's take a look there. 
Alrighty. And uh, what's it say there? The account of creation when God, okay, the self-existent one, what's he saying? Then God said, what? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. What, us? What, who, who's us? It's Elohim. It's the plural. It's a Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word Elohim. Okay? It's plural. And, of course, that's speaking of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and this is an important verse to bring up, especially if you're witnessing to a Jewish person who wants to deny the Trinity. Right? Because right there in the in the First page of the Bible, even their Bible, says right there, plural, Elohim. Who's Elohim? Right? Now, again, a lot of people, we've already dealt with this in great detail. I don't want to go down to this too deep, but just by way of segment. The Trinity, people say, well, the Trinity, that's three gods. No, it's not. We're not preaching Mormonism. Okay? And it's the same thing. They look at this and they say one plus one plus one equals what? Three. But we're dealing with God. It's all God. We're dealing with one times one times one times one equals one. And the classic example is water. Water, if you leave it alone, it's a liquid. If you freeze it, it becomes a solid. If you heat it up, it becomes a vapor. Which one's not water? It's all water. God presents himself. He's one. Always only one. But he presents himself, and that's why it says, and God presents himself as the Father and the, the Son and the Holy Spirit, but it's one times one times one. You still end up with one, okay, is what's going on there. Okay, but here's my point. He uses a term, Elohim. Boy, does that sound spiritual and it is a hebrew word okay but he applies it to a singular entity <laughs> so you got that wrong <laughs> it's just it's crazy the whole thing falls apart because again he is making the thing up as he goes okay but anyway so that's what he says he says so the remaining spirits oh let's get oh back up here he, he goes god the father who's called elohim which is a plural term but he's talking singular uh, was concerned about the future salvation of the people on earth in the heavenly realm, the Father had a plan for the salvation of the world. Jesus endorsed the Father's plan, but Lucifer did not. Now, again, they're supposed to be bros, okay, which is crazy. And Lucifer is supposed to be a god, which he's not. He's a fallen angel. But anyway, Lucifer became jealous and rebelled, they say. And in his rebellion, he convinced a large portion of the spirits existing in heaven to side with him and oppose God. I like to say, which God? <laughs> anyway, whatever. Uh, okay, but God became more powerful again. Which God? But uh, uh, than they and, and cursed these rebellious spirits to become demons. Well, wait a second. So remember, all these spirits are coming supposedly from a god and a goddess, which again is illogical, let alone unbiblical. And so everything coming from them, therefore, logically following your own train of thought and teaching, has to become a god. So not only are you saying that Jesus and Satan are brothers, but Satan is a god, but now these spirits who turned into demons, are you saying demons are gods? That's what you're saying. So you don't even get that right as well. The whole thing continues uh, to fall apart, okay? Then they, they says they can never be born in human bodies, okay? Now, the remaining spirits that did side with God... Okay, I'm assuming he's talking about Heavenly Father, which again is not the same thing. Then, uh, since they chose the better way, when it comes time for them to live on earth, they have the privilege of being born in races and locations that are relative to their condition and choice made in the spirit realm. So they get to decide? Who's the author and finisher of life? Right? Job 14.5. Love that verse, man. God has determined the length of our lives and we're not getting a minute longer. Who's the one that formed us in our mother's womb? This is all God. God's the one who directs whether we are born, whether we die. We're born on time, we're going to die on time. This is all God. You don't have anything to do with it, right? 
I, I, me, I'm personally dying, um, you know, unless the rapture happens. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, like the one guy, the very profound statement guy, he said, uh, I don't know about you, when it comes to dying, I'm, personally, I'm going to try to make the last thing I do. <laughs> but even that, technically, is not in my hands, right? God is the one. Three of you get that later, you can do something with it. But anyway, let's continue. But okay, so make a choice in the spirit realm. Oh, oh by the way, the uh, uh, member we saw, that is, isn't just those who choose to side with God, which God, assuming their version of Heavenly Father, which is not like our Heavenly Father, who is the one and only God, is the God who came from this other God who was on this other world and this other world with this other God. But anyway, so, but, but remember, those who side with him, they say there's, you know, uh, the ones who side with him, they get to choose and live in these great places to hopefully be closer to a Mormon temple and they can you know, become Mormons and get back to being gods again and stuff of that nature. And, uh, but those who didn't side, you know, they became the demons. But remember, what, the, what, what do they teach? Those who remain neutral in this rebellion, their version of a rebellion, who were they? Remember? That was the, the black African race. They teach those in this rebellion who remain neutral were, quote, their words, cursed with black skin. We dealt with that back here when it was extremely racist, okay? And that is easy uh, to show that they have that. Anyway, let's continue on. Now, in the Mormon plan of salvation, there need to be a savior, Jesus. And again, but, but again, they say, well, I believe in Jesus, yeah. And again, you got to get behind their Jesus is not the same Jesus. Uh, real quick. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, they're good, they're good. You basically have three options, okay? Uh, and, uh, and basically, if you don't want to become a, a Mormon that makes you all the way to the top, you're going to be on that lower level, okay? And I'm not making it up, okay? And, and so they stick you into one category. But only if you're a Mormon, and we're, man, if we can get there, and only if you pay up, okay, can you make it to that top and spend eternity with your family and then have your own planet that you can populate but anyway let's let's go on uh and so he goes this he says uh, uh in the mormon plan there need to be a savior jesus but jesus was a spirit in heaven now listen to this for him to be born on earth brigham young the second prophet in the mormon church said that instead of letting any other man do it god the father did it with mary and he means a sexual relation a physical relation right now is, what is that the same thing we believe the virgin birth no the holy spirit overshadowed Mary, there's no physical relation going on here. Are you kidding me? What is this? Right? And he says this, and he said that the birth of our Savior was a, quote, natural as the birth of our parents. Well, if Jesus had a natural birth, you and I are doomed. We're all doomed straight to hell. Because that means the sin nature would have been passed, which means Jesus would have had a sin nature, which means he would have sinned, which means he could not have been the perfect sacrifice. That's why we maintain the virgin birth. All right? Whew, wow. A natural, and now essentially what this means is that, listen, this is wild. And again, stop and think of it logically. That Brigham Young taught that, the God, that God the Father came down and had relations, is your next blank there, relations with Mary, his spirit daughter. Remember, because she's supposed to be coming ultimately from this God and goddess and everything coming out, there's supposed to be a God and goddess. and So... And then, then that's what happened. He had this physical relation with the Heavenly Father, but this is supposed to be, in their version, his daughter, Mary, to produce the body of Jesus. Now listen, though Mormons will not entertain such incestuous thoughts about God and Mary, this is what Brigham Young taught, and as far as we know, this has not been denied by the Mormon church. 
I mean, it's bad enough what you're doing, but now you're basically creating an incest scenario. You took the virgin birth, you turned it into something natural and physical, right? Which has got its own set of problems, but now you turn it into an incest thing. Excuse me? And you come knocking the door. Oh, yeah, we're Christian. No, you're not. God, be kidding me. Let's continue on. All right. And uh, nevertheless, Jesus was what? He wasn't just born. What do they teach? He got married. He had kids. Are you serious? No way. All right. Let's take a look at that. Uh, uh, John chapter 2. We see Jesus attending a wedding, wedding in Cana, but he was invited to it, which means guess what? It's not his own wedding. How many of you guys realize that at your own wedding, you weren't invited? You were expected to be there, right? <laughs> So Jesus wasn't at his wedding. He was, he was invited, so he's a guest, right? Uh, also, uh, you could say that Jesus, in essence, will be married later, if you will, the wedding supper of the Lamb, but that's you and I, the church, and that's in the future, right? So you can't say that he was married. Now, there's a couple different ways. You got Mormonism that preaches this lie that Jesus was married, okay? And you got a couple things. We dealt with this in our introduction to apologetics, the defenders of the faith study, uh, we dealt with this, this. There's a papyrus out there, okay, recently that popped up. It's called Jesus' Wife Papyrus. <gasps> Give it a name. It doesn't make it real. Okay, and all this thing basically is, is a fragment. And I mean a fragment. Imagine if I wrote a one-page document and somebody went, which is mostly what people do with my sermon notes. I, no, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and so you went, and you threw a hundred pieces of the one page all over the place, right? Well, you pick up one and it says... The chicken. <gasps> Pastor Billy was promoting people to eat chicken. It says right here, the chicken. You know what? Fill in the blank. If you could find the other piece, it'd say, the chicken is evil, run. <laughs> right? See, because that's consistent, right? But anybody could take a piece and you rip out a little fragment and turn it into anything. That's what they do with this thing. And there's a little piece, a fragment out there that says... Uh, Jesus said to them, my wife, <gasps> well, there, he's got a wife. No, he can be talking about the church. He can be talking about us. And that's even if it's real and it's not. This document was written 300 years later, right? It's called a spurious document, right? So it's crazy. So this came after the Bible, okay? And it's even just a little piece completely taken out of context, okay? Uh, and so that's uh, a lot where that's coming from. The other one that's coming from, which, by the way, uh, we do have many mega details about Jesus' life on earth, right? You got in the Gospels, in the Bible. And what do we see in the Gospels? We see the Bible in the Gospels never, of course, says that Jesus was married, but they do talk about his mom. They talk about his dad. They talk about his brothers and sisters, okay? And, uh, oh, by the way, that would make Jesus the oldest or youngest? Oldest, trick question there, that's right. Did Adam have a belly button? Hmm. Right, let's move on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> which came first, the chicken or the Chicken. Anyway, unfortunately. So, uh, but anyway, so, but anyway, so you give us all these details about his life and his family, you think if you'd have a wife that they would record it, but it's not, it's, it's a bunch of baloney. Now, the other one, real quick, I don't have time to go into this uh, too much deeper. Uh, Mormons teach this lie that Jesus had a wife. Uh, this latest one, the papyrus fragment, whatever. Okay, the other one is a guy named Dan Brown, right? You guys, he wrote a book, made a movie out of it, uh, and you know what it's, it's called? The Da Vinci Code, right? Talk about a bunch of baloney. Uh, very entertaining book. Again, it was made into a movie with Tom Hanks and promoted this. But the, basically, the, the thing is, <gasps> there's a secret out there, and the church is trying to hide it from you. And that secret is this, is that Jesus was not divine, and, Mary, and he married Mary Magdalene, and they had children. 
and she's the goddess, and you need to worship her instead, right? And that's really why. He said, well, he must, have, he must have done his homework. He must have done his research instead. No, he wasn't even from the Bible. You think if you're going to write something about Jesus, you've you got to do with the Bible because that's the ultimate source. Whether you believe it or not, you still got to deal with it. No, no. And let me just give you a quote of some of the sources that he was writing from. Quote, the goddess and the gospels reclaiming the sacred feminine, Jesus and the lost goddess, and when God was a woman. These are some of his sources that he's deriving this baloney from. Now, amongst many other false things he says, he says, quote, the Bible is a product of man, not of God. Is that true? No. Get her study. Did the Bible really come from God? Go down deep on that one. Uh, all scriptures inspired of God. He says that Mary Magdalene secretly traveled to France, found safe refuge in the Jewish community, gave birth to a daughter, and her name was Sarah. You know how much evidence there is for that? Rhymes with zero. He made it up. It's complete fabrication. Uh, of course, he says the virgin birth of Jesus was metaphorical. He says the Bible is a product of countless translations, editions, and revisions. Not true. You're showing your ignorance of how the Bible came to us. Okay, with all due respect. He says the Bible was assembled by Emperor Constantine. No, it wasn't. It was established before that. Uh, he says the, the deity of Jesus Christ was invented at the Council of Nicaea. No, it's coming from the Scripture. Okay, that's easy. Uh, he says that early Christians practiced goddess worship. No evidence for that whatsoever. He says Christianity borrowed its ideas from pagan sources. No, that's not true. That's why we spent so much time in the Hindu study. Remember, I did two weeks demonstrating that the biblical account is the first account. All other accounts with other spurious religions okay, came after Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and spread from there. That's why there seems to be somewhat so-called similarities. It's not because they are true. They perverted the original root. Okay, so he parallels that lie. But he says the Dead Sea Scrolls contain the earliest Christian writings. The Dead Sea Scrolls were written before Christianity existed. You didn't get that one right, not even historically. And, of course, he says Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene, who, again, is to be worshipped as a goddess. Okay, so this idea that Jesus was married, whatever, Mormonism, the papyrus saying, Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code, is very popular, but it's not even biblical. Let's get on. He, so they say he was born, he got married, he had children. How many lies have we ran into so far? And again, what, what, why? Because this is what you get when you, it's a lie. Take this, take a little that, throw it in the plate. This is what you get. Let's continue on. Nevertheless, uh, he, they say he died on the cross and paid four sins. Notice it's not all sins. Because you've got to finish the job, according to Mormonism. Okay, but not only cross only. According to Mormonism, the atonement of Christ was not only on the cross. Uh, uh, it began in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Okay, wow. Let's continue on. In Mormonism, men and women have the potential of becoming gods. Again, President Lorenzo Snow said, as God once was, man is. As God is, man may become. In order to reach this exalted state of Godhead, listen, here's how you get there. We're like, oh, man, all right. That was a mouthful. And if I, with all due respect, uh, had a severe flu and a fever of 106, and I wasn't thinking straight and I fell for this, then how do you get there? According to them, how do you get there? Here's what you got to do. Is Christianity about do? It's about what is done. It's not about what you can earn. It's about receiving a gift. But here's what you suppose you can do in order to become a God, which again is illogical because every one of us celebrates a birthday. But whatever. Let's just play the little game here, so to speak. And here's what you got to do. Listen to all this stuff. In order to reach this exalted state of Godhood, a person must first become a good Mormon. So you got to do what they say to do, all the goods and the do's and the don'ts. You must pay a, what do they say? 10% tithe. I'm going to get into that in just a second. To the Mormon church, follow various laws and ordinances of the church, and be found worthy. 
Well, what's the scripture say about our worthiness? Filthy rags, man. Are you kidding me? All of our righteousness is filthy rags compared to God. None of us are worthy to get to heaven. That's why it's grace. That's why it's, uh, uh, Jesus had to come and die on the cross, right? If, if, if we have to finish the job, then why do you even go to the cross? It's crazy, whatever. But notice all these things you got to do. And, and again, what was the big thing in there? You got to pay money. Now, I look for the source because I've been quoting 30%, 30%, 30% for a lot of years. I can't find that source. I looked high and low everywhere. Uh, but what you'll find in the, the, I do not believe it's at all what they're saying. And I'll demonstrate that in a second. So maybe where I originally got that from was because people were adding up and doing the statistics. And it's 30% probably ain't going to be far off when I get done here in a second. But see, what they do is they hold this over people's head. You can't make it to that top kingdom and become that god and goddess and forever spend time with your family. Unless you go through this priesthood. See, you can't get into the priesthood and guess you what? You not only have to get a recommendation. You not only have to be considered a good Mormon and good standing. But what makes you in good standing is you got to pay up. I'm serious. It's like, it's like a, a, if you will, a mafia version of the afterlife. You got to pay Guido to get there. To the t- I'm not, I'm, hey, I'm serious. Wait, I got to get, get going into in, in this. This is crazy. It's extortion. It's spiritual extortion is really what this is. And, but here's what they do. It is not 10%. They advertise. You look in the writings. Oh, it's just 10%. 10%. You guys are familiar with that. 10%. 10%. Mm-mm. They have a code word that they use. It's not your income, it's your increase. And when they say increase, it's anything. I mean anything that comes your way, you have to give the money to them. And let me give you some of that example. Mormons require a a 10% of their gross increase to the Mormon church. Mormons cannot enter the temple nor hold important positions without paying the annual tithing. They are interviewed to make sure they pay a proper tithe regularly you better pay up and if you don't settle accounts you'll never make it to that top kingdom mormons must pay a tithing on uh employment unemployment insurance student loans pell grants wait a second student loans some people get big loans 80 grand 100 grand you mean to tell me i get a student loan for 100 grand i got to give you ten thousand dollars off of that and if i don't because you are going to check my records then you're going to hold that over my head and say, you better pay up that 10 grand just from that one loan. Or I can't make it to that top kingdom. I'm not joking. This is what they do. What if I got a house? Let's just take a mediocre house. Let's just say a house for $400,000. Some, some places around the country, it's, that's nothing. Right? Let's just, just choose 400000 right? You mean to tell me I got to give you $40,000? So really my buying power is at three hundred sixty. Oh, by the way, I'm paying interest on that. And if I don't do it, you're going to hold that over my head. 10%, uh-uh. You could say that all day long. But when you start adding in these figures, you've got to be joking me. But it's student loans, Pell Grants, Social Security, trust funds, any other form of income. That's the increase. Increase, right? Let's say you sell a house. You sell a house. I was reading another article. You sell a house, you make a profit of it, right? Say you sold your house, you made 100 grand, right? Well, you owe them 10 grand. Yeah, but I didn't pocket it. I put it into another house. Oh, well, it was an increase. You start adding this up, <laughs> 10% is nowhere in sight. Crazy, right? And, and let's continue on. Mormons are counseled that if they do not pay their tithing, they will be burned alive with fire when Jesus comes. Mormons refer to this as fire insurance. If a Mormon does not pay tithing, they cannot hold, they cannot hold, even in this life, 
They cannot hold leadership positions, and worse, they cannot attend the temple. If a Mormon cannot attend the temple, then a Mormon cannot reach the top kingdom, the celestial kingdom. And this is their words, not mine. In essence, tithing in Mormonism is a form of extortion. Any member who is struggling in any way, a job loss, a broken down car, depression, will always be counseled to pay tithing in order to receive blessing. Who does that sound like? That sounds like the word of faith false teachers, doesn't it? You know, you're so poor. You know why you're poor? Because you need to sow a seed to my ministry. You sow a seed to my ministry, and you take this little spring water and squirt it in your eye or something. I don't know what he's supposed to do. Right? And you send it back, and I'll give you a grant, and God will put you, whatever. And then, of course, when it doesn't happen, you didn't have faith. Try it again. Right? Now i got to pay for eyeglasses. Right? Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> it's crazy. Without paying a full tithe, a member is not in good standing. If you're not good standing, you can't make it. You'll never make it. So you better pay up if you want to get to that top kingdom. Right? And listen, this includes all income in any increase, including, again, employment, Social Security, Medicare, food stamps, trust funds, any other form of in- income. Listen, even including finding money on the ground. That's a great quote, not mine. At a, a general conference, a guy named Lynn Robbins, he said, one of the first things a bishop must do, this is a Mormon guy, do, to help the needy is to ask them to pay this tithe. Quote, if a destitute family is faced with the decision of paying their tithing or eating, they should pay their tithing. Can you believe that? That sounds awfully greedy to me. Hmm. Who was their founder? And what was he all about? What was his family business? Witchcraft? Money digger. Gold digger. About money, 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 money. Still true to this day. If anything, they kept true to us. Now, as a side result of this, you know what Utah is leading in? In the nation? Bankruptcies. Can you imagine having to pay on a student loan or a house? <clears throat> Utah remains one of the poorest states in the United States and, the, and uh, ranks among the highest in personal bankruptcies. Okay? That's the record number. And, of course, a lot of it's due to this kind of behavior. Held over people's head, you better cough up or you'll never make it to the top. Right? And uh, let me share with you real quick just a couple stories. And these are from Mormon tithing stories. Uh, my mom was a friend who's a single mom with four kids. She was an active, true-believing Mormon. She got her endowment and was doing everything right. She was having a very hard time making ends meet. She got behind on her tithing. Her bishop was counseling her regarding her finances, although he's not a financial advisor. He worked at a mine. He told her to pay tithing. It's of the utmost importance and should take precedence over bills and other obligations. He told her to use a credit card to pay her tithing, and Heavenly Father would bless her for it. Well, she got blessed by going bankrupt. She had to file bankruptcy because of how the Mormon tithing maxed out her credit card. Number two, my friend was made to feel so guilty about not paying back his tithe. Well, wait a second. We mean not paying back. How'd you know? Because we keep track. Right? And he actually took out a home equity loan to pay his tithing, and it was around $9,000, and he paid on it gross. He took out a loan to pay this back. That's extortion. Uh, another one, my older brother and his wife refinanced to consolidate their debt. They went from a high interest rate to a sky-high one. Their mortgage, their monthly payment was $1,000. It's up to $1,600 every month on payments. And, and, and she said, with all that so-called good news, she told me, quote, well, I paid off my van, and I had enough to get caught up on our tithing. Well, how do they know that you're behind? Because they check you. And you don't pay, you don't make it to the top. They will be paving on that tithing loan for the next 30 years. They're on church welfare now, by the way. 
bankruptcy. One more. When I was a single mom, this is a Mormon lady, said, and she says, single mom, I had four kids. I was working for $7 an hour getting child support. I was not making ends meet. We were eating from the food bank. I asked the Mormon bishop for help. I'd always been a full tithe payer. I got behind. Okay, but he told me that I had to pay uh, on my $7 per hour per gross. I had to catch up. I also had to tithe on my scholarships and grants. This is a single mom making seven bucks an hour. And I had to child, I had to even, he said, to tithe on my child support, which was paid by my Mormon ex-husband who had already tithed on it. So I had to do that too. But it got real bad. So she tried to keep up the best she could, making seven bucks an hour. And then she went to, their words, not mine, a tithing settlement. Means you're coming in for a review. How you doing? Pay up. Right? She said, I hung my head. And I told my dilemma. I had paid tithing for seven months of the year. He says, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to mark me as a partial tithe payer this year. I, I, I would have to pay $500 to, to be a full tithe payer. She was getting behind. She said, she told him, I have $510 in the bank right now. And I haven't paid the bills yet. And I haven't bought my kids shoes or food. He looked at me disappointed. And he says, you can't afford not to pay it. After a minute of silence, I pulled out my checkbook. I wrote him a check for 500 bucks. He smiled and checked the, quote, full tithe payer box and said, Merry Christmas. This is extortion. She said, my kids did get a couple of things for Christmas from Salvation Army, but they didn't get any shoes. They did get a Christmas turkey from their elementary school who was giving them to the needy, okay, and the, and the families. But honestly, we suffered. I have, I have to wonder about a bishop who would ask such a thing of a single mom. Yeah, me too. So you can sit there and put in print all you want. Oh, 10%, 10%. No, it's not. Not even close. And then you hang it over people's head. Together. And what's the scriptures say? How do we give 2 Corinthians 9, 7? This is one of your supposed books that you say you revere. Okay? Each of you should give what you decide in your heart, not what the bishop told you to give. And, quote, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not because you have to. Not because you got something hanging over your head. Because God loves a cheerful giver. That's how we're supposed to give, okay? But let, let, I, I keep talking about this, this, this kingdom that they're going to hold over your head. Real quick, let's take a look at their breakdown of how do you make it to the top. Let's take a look. Mormonism teaches that life on earth is only the transitional step between the pre-existence and the afterlife. In the pre-existence, God and his wife had many children. Then God decided that his children should go through a physical existence on the earth as a test, during which time they will have no memory of their spiritual pre-existence. After death, everyone will pass through the spirit world, where faithful people will enter into a paradise and everybody else will suffer in spirit prison, where they will have an opportunity to accept the gospel. Then comes the resurrection and judgment. Most people will go on to one of three levels of heaven. But this also highlights how Mormonism completely redefines terms from the Bible. Most importantly, saved by grace, which means that God has freely given sinful people the guarantee of salvation from hell to live with him, in spite of the fact that they can do nothing to deserve it. But obedience and good works naturally follow. In Mormonism, saved by grace merely means that everyone is granted immortality but where they spend it is determined by their performance. The lowest level of heaven, the telestial kingdom, is generally for bad people who rejected Christ. They will be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. The next level up is the terrestrial kingdom, for those who were generally good people, but fell short of earning the highest heaven. They will be visited by Jesus Christ, but cannot live with God. 
Both of these kingdoms are far better than Earth, but people here will still be overwhelmed with regret that they did not do better. But for Mormons who achieve perfect repentance and obedience to the law on Earth, which not even the Apostle Paul could do, there is the Celestial Kingdom, the highest level of heaven where God dwells. Brigham Young taught that Joseph Smith reigns there as a supreme being, and no one enters the Celestial Kingdom without his consent. And only those who attain to the highest level of the Celestial Kingdom, known as exaltation, can spend eternity with their families. To do this, they must have been sealed in the temple. Here, they become gods themselves, ruling over and populating their own planet, just like God did before them. In order to hold to this belief system, Mormons must ignore clear teachings in the Bible, including that all Christians go to live with God immediately after death, that everyone else goes to eternal torment, that only Christians are God's children, but it's an adoption, that there is no second chance for salvation after death, that there is no marriage or procreation in the resurrection, and that eternity is spent worshiping God, not being a God. Major difference. But again, did you notice, how do you get to that top kingdom? It's all a bunch of baloney anyway. It's completely unbiblical. But you have to go to the temple, to the priesthood. You've got to go through that, right? But how do you get there? You have to have a recommend. Well, you can't have a recommend if you're not a member of good standing. Well, how do you get to be a member of good standing? Well, you've got to do all the things that they say to do, and you've got to what? You better pay up. Guido's going to get you. Right? Oh, and notice, which is the only one you get to spend eternity with your family, supposedly? The very top. So could you see that as an emotional, uh, tormenting tool? I ain't got the money. I get... You mean to tell me you don't want to spend eternity with your family? You want to miss out on that? <clears throat> Makes you upset. At least it does me. Can you believe that? they do this to people? But let's, let's close it out real quick. Uh, so anyway, so you got to do all that stuff. At this point, they receive a temple recommend. Got to pay up, do all the good stuff, supposedly. Whereupon the Mormons allowed to enter the sacred temples in order to go through a set of secret rituals. Rituals is your last blank on the page. Rituals, and there's nothing secret about it. Where do you rip them off from? Freemasonry. Hands, secret handshakes, all this stuff. Rituals, stand this. The garbs and all that stuff. Even uh, we saw the parallel with Satanism does the same thing. Uh, so you do that. You go through these secret rituals, which are not secret at all. Uh, baptism for the dead. The celestial marriage, even though there's no marrying in heaven. And uh, various oaths of secrecy and commitment. Additionally, listen, four secret handshakes are taught so the believing Mormon uh, for the believing Mormon, upon entering the third level of the Mormon heaven, can shake hands with God in a certain pattern. Now, that's some serious stress. What if you forget the handshake? You did all the stuff, and you paid yourself, and somehow avoided bankruptcy, and avoided all these things, did all the things, and all the things they said you're supposed to do, and you, you get there, and it's like, oh, man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I never won on that patty cake, patty cake, bakers. I always mess that thing up, right? And you see kids today, they're always doing this whole thing. It's like, whatever. You, in fact, notice it was four secret handshakes. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, have you noticed every Sunday when, when, when you guys leave and I'm there at the door greeting you as you go out, you notice my routine with every one of the kids, don't you? <laughs> Let me demonstrate for you. Give it up for Rebecca. She's going to be one of my faithful things. We close out here. There's four parts to it, too. Ready? All kids know us at sunrise. There you go. Yeah! All right, you can sit down. Because what I'm doing, I'm just getting them prepared for the celestial kingdom. Because that's the secret handshake you got to do. You got to do So you guys just thought I was being weird. No, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about your kid. Give me a prayer. Are you serious? 
all this stuff, and you're still not free and clear until you know the secret handshake. Four of them. Don't forget it. You've got to be kidding me. And again, these so-called secret handshakes are nothing secret. He rips it off from Freemasonry and, and the occult stuff. Anyway, whatever. So for those who achieve this highest of heavens, exaltation of godhood awaits them. Then he or she will be permitted to have his or own planet and be the god of his own world. No, it's not goddess. You just get the privilege of forever being pregnant, populating. And god of his own world and the Mormon system will be expanded to other planets. Kind of like a spiritual Star Trek. And you get to start this world over here and go over here. And, and Can you believe this? Now, why is this so weird? With all due respect. Because it's a lie, number one. And two, what's the pattern of behavior? Dude, you're grabbing this thing from all over the place. You're making this up. That's why it's all messed up. It's a story. You made up and you plagiarized from this source, that source, this whatever. That's why none of it makes sense. Okay. Now, we'll try to make sense of it, Lord willing, next time, because next time we're finally going to get into their source of authority. Remember, they got four so-called sources, supposed to be the Bible. Eh. Okay, but the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. And then uh, we'll go even deeper into, remember that phrase he kept saying? He translated the plates from Reformed Egyptian. Yeah. Well, they found that Egyptian thing that he supposedly did some translation from. You know how accurate he was? He didn't get one thing right. Man, anyway, we'll, get to that. we'll get to that Lord will next time. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. 
The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, 
even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.